Hello and welcome to another episode of Lockdown Wolves. Today on the show, the NBA All-Star Game Reserves were announced on Thursday night. Two Timberwolves players made it. One very deserving Timberwolves player did not. I'll give my thoughts on that. Plus, peeking in at the Wolves' defensive profile and their offensive shot profile. Namely, what's most impressive about how the Wolves have performed defensively in the context of the last couple of years and some of the league's top defensive teams. We'll also look at the Wolves' magic matchup here uh, before Friday night's game. It's all coming. Welcome in. You are Locked on Wolves. You are Locked on Timberwolves. Your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team Every day. Hello and welcome to the Lockdown Wolves podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Lockdown Wolves. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash Lockdown to get started. Happy Friday, everybody. Happy weekend and happy Timberwolves game day. The Wolves are still at home. They will be taking on the Orlando Magic on Friday night for the second and final time this year. We will talk about that at the end of the show here today. A lot to get to first. Of course, all-star rosters are now final after the Thursday night announcement. So I want to get into that a little bit here off the top. And then what I want to spend the bulk of the show talking about is The Timberwolves defense, in some context from the last couple of years, some of the most impressive things about it, a little bit about the defensive shot profile, which of course feeds into some of these other, you know, the four factors really that we're going to talk about today. And then also the Wolves offensive shot profile, checking in on that, what they could maybe tweak, but why there's still a lot of hope in my mind, a a lot of, what's the right, what's the right way to say? What am I trying to say? Yes, a lot of hope, but also um, I would say cause for optimism as the Wolves head into the you know the true back half of the schedule here and why I think the Wolves offense will ultimately continue to trend. Well, I shouldn't say continue. It's really kind of hovered in the 15 to 20 range so far this year league-wide. But I think it will get better as the year goes on. We'll get to all that here today. First of all, a big thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every single day. This show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. Wherever you like to listen to podcasts, you can find Lockdown Wolves. You can also watch on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. You can also follow on X at Lockdown T-Wolves and also at B-Beacon with two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. All right, let's uh, let's do this. Let's get into the All-Star conversation. So Thursday night, the All-Star reserves were announced. I think I'd mentioned in passing on the show before that I thought Rudy was deserving to be on the team. I thought Ant was a shoe-in. But I thought Cat was probably more likely to make it than Rudy, just simply because the offensive numbers and and grand scheme. I just I, like I didn't. I actually was a little worried that maybe they wouldn't get two guys at all, which of course would be nuts for the team that's been first in the West for uh, more than half of the first half of the season. Um, pretty clearly, as it turned out, Ant did indeed make it, and so did Carl Anthony Towns, and not Rudy Gobert. Now. My take on this is, like, it's perfectly acceptable. It probably should have been um, obvious that that's how this was going to shake out. I mean, Towns, like, because of what the All-Star game is, people would rather see, and and really anybody, would rather see Carl Thitty Towns. He's a better fit for the game because he can do all of the things at, as a seven-footer, whereas Rudy is obviously, you know, his impact is 
much less in an all-star game, right? He's not going to shoot the ball beyond three feet. I mean, like maybe you would have gotten a Rudy three-point attempt. That would have been fun. But like his rim deterrence is not exactly exciting in the all-star game. So I, I get it from an entertain, entertainment perspective. It makes sense. But I mean, Rudy Gobert has for all intents and purposes, and this is maybe a whole other show. He's the Timberwolves MVP so far this year. He really is. The way that he's transformed the Wolves defense, which we will spend most of the show talking about today, and you know, do a whole other show on Rudy's impact as a, a rim deterrent. Not only does he keep guys from trying shots at the rim, but when they do, they're not successful, which is why guys don't try shots at the rim and why opponent rim attempts are way down. And we'll talk about that later too. Rudy is almost single-handedly responsible for that. Now, obviously, the perimeter defense is a is the other component to to the Wolves' number one defense that you know, like say the Rudy Jazz teams did not have. Even if they were number one in defense, they were consistently top ten. They faltered against certain matchups and in the playoffs because they didn't have the perimeter defenders like this year's Wolves do have. But all that to say, Rudy has been the most valuable player for the Timberwolves this season. Um, he's been the most consistent. I think he's had his highs and lows have been much like last year. He had some lows, right? And some, and some decent highs this year. Rudy's been very steady and both cat and ant have had their typical ups and downs, like really high highs and really low lows for both of them. And Rudy's been steady. He's been impactful. He's been the reason that this team has had the league's best, best defense all season long. And it's not even been close, but again, I understand why cat made it and Rudy didn't also, I should point out no team had three all-stars. That or and no team, yeah, that's the right way to say it. No team had three players make the all star team. I think five teams had two all stars. I mean, the Suns have Durant and Booker, uh, the Clippers have George and Kawhi, the, the Timberwolves have two. Um, that's it in the West. In the East, you've got obviously Damon Giannis with the Bucks, you have Embiid and Maxi with the Sixers, you have Brown and Tatum for the Buck, uh, excuse me, the Celtics, and Brunson and Randall for the Knicks. Um, I, I didn't like, I'm not going to give any hot takes on snubs or anything I didn't do deep enough research to like really get an up and up in arms on on all-star snubs on both sides I will say uh well let me finish the point I was trying to make so five teams had two all-stars nobody had three so understandable I'm not at all saying that like it was intentional that they said nobody could have three all-stars but like I get it even though the Wolves have been the best team in the West for most of the season they've been a top four team virtually all year um I I get why Rudy's not an all-star but for the record I think in a vacuum, he's had a better season than both Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns, which is saying something, right? These guys are both legitimate all-stars and absolutely should be as well. And and of course, there's this discourse going around about we should expand rosters to 15 because it's been at 12 since, what, the mid-80s, I think. And now there's like seven more teams than there were at that time, which is all true. And it's like back in the 80s, they were like, oh, well, how many guys do we have on an active roster for game? 12. Let's just do 12. Well, we've evolved beyond that. And now teams have 13 guys active anyway. For a game. So at least go to 13, right? Uh, but it would make sense to go to 14 or 15 in my mind. And if that's the case, Rudy would have to make it. Um, I've seen the case, uh, you know, the Alperin Shengun, um, what was the StatMuse Twitter account was was uh, comparing Towns and Shengun side by side. And there's a comparison to be made. They've actually had fairly similar offensive seasons, but Kat's a better three point shooter. He's a better free throw shooter. He's a better defender by almost any measure, certainly this year. Um, Shengun can't stop anybody in the paint. Uh, and obviously the Wolves are first in the West and the Rockets are not. They've struggled a lot recently. They're under 500 now. So for all those reasons, right or wrong, I mean, Cat didn't make the all-star team a couple times because he was on a bad team, right? 
so with the Shangun thing, you know, whatever. I know De'Aaron Fox, uh, Domana Sabonis, who I think was certainly deserving. If you go to 14 or 15, I think it's probably Sabonis and Rudy or maybe uh, Sabonis and Shangun. Like, you know, you could make the case, right? But all that to say, I think for the most part, the teams are are correct. I think they did a good job. I understand why Rudy didn't make it despite all the, you know, the reasons why he certainly was deserving. All right, uh, I do. That's actually not a bad segue because of of how good Rudy is defensively, and that's that's what I want to talk about next is the Timberwolves defense, and focus in on how good the Timberwolves are at this stage in the season, which is what the Timberwolves are now forty eight games in, which is you know we're now seven games past the midway point in terms of the schedule itself. Coming up a couple weeks until the All Star break, um, the Wolves are performing so well. In the defensive four factors, and if you don't know what that is, I'll explain it here in a minute, uh, much better than any team we've seen in recent memory across the board. And it's fueling, obviously, that that's why they're the four factors. It's fueling their overall number one defensive rating. I want to talk about that and the defensive shot profile that's that's um, leading to such a good opponent or uh, such a good defensive effective field goal percentage and a poor opponent field goal percentage because opponents can't aren't shooting the ball well against the Wolves. I want to talk about why that is. We did this back around Christmas time, and I want to dig back into it because it hasn't really moved much. And it, with every passing week at the Wolves' defense is this good, it, it deserves more discussion because it's really been remarkable. So I want to do all that next. I want to do a little bit on the Wolves' offensive shot profile, then we'll also get to the Magic matchup as well. We'll do all that here next. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by our friends at FanDuel. Happy Super Bowl to all those who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, and placing some super bets. And we have a Super Bowl tra- uh, uh, tradition. We hang out with the same people every Super Bowl. We uh, you know, have great food. We split up who's making what, all great beverages, the whole thing. And my buddy and I, we sit down just a little bit before the game starts. You know, maybe we get we get together maybe an hour and a half, two hours early. We put together all of our prop bets, and uh, you know, we will also probably pick the game, etc. All that stuff. It's so much fun on Super Bowl Sunday. FanDuel has a ton of ways for you to end the season with a W or two or three or hopefully more. I'm hoping to have more than that because we're going to put in a lot of prop bets. Not only can you bet on who will win the Super Bowl, but FanDuel also has bets for which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so much more. New customers that join today will get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. That's $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of 5 bucks or more wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Lockdown has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Lockdown Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Lockdown, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Lockdown Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. All right, let's talk about this defensive profile for the Wolves. And I want to start with the four factors, and then I want to get into the shot profile um, and then also, actually, if we have time, something I heard on a, a national podcast here recently that I want to I want to just briefly hit on, it, and it's admittedly a topic for a much larger period of time, maybe a full show or more. Uh, but I I, I want to see if I can get to it here in a minute. 
So first, defensive four factors, if you're not familiar, super quickly, because I think a lot of people are, and if you watch the Wolves regularly, um, Jim Peterson on the Valley Sports North broadcast brings up the four factors at like after halftime of every every game. But uh, basically, not basically, they are effective field goal percentage, turnovers, uh, offensive rebounds or or defensive rebound rate, and free throws. So if you go to like basketball reference, the way that it's framed is effective field goal percentage, turnover rate defensively, de- uh, defensive rebound rate, and free throw rate. So obviously then your offensive four factors, the flip side of that, right? So offensive turnover rate, offensive rebound rate, et cetera. The Timberwolves sitting here right now, no matter where you go, whether you look at cleaning the glass or basketball reference, and both are good. Of course, cleaning the glass filters out uh, end of quarter heaves and garbage time, et cetera. Uh, both of them, have the Timberwolves as a top 10 defense in all four of the defensive four factors. That is incredible. How incredible? Well, um, if you look at last year and the year before, there were no other NBA teams that finished in the top 10 in all four of the defensive four factors. So the Timberwolves right now are number one in effective field goal percentage defensively, 51.6%, which is nuts. League average is 55%. The next closest team is almost a full point behind, and that's OKC, actually. Defensive turnover rate, which has steadily been climbing this year, as the Wolves have, um, I think, just gotten... They mixed in some zone, which I think helps with deflections, et cetera, but I think they've just gotten more comfortable with their defensive rotations. And we didn't see the Wolves turn opponents over a ton last year. It's not like the blitzing defense they played two years ago when they did a bunch of that. But now they're up to eighth in defensive turnover rate, according to Cleaning the Glass. They're seventh in opponent offensive rebound rate, or the flip of that would be defensive rebound rate, um, which, let's see, according to basketball reference, they're second in defensive rebound rate, and that's where garbage time really factors in. So um, no matter how you slice it, if you want to take the number two in the league number for defensive rebound rate on basketball reference, or if you want to take the cleaner cleaning the glass number, they're seventh in defensive rebound rate and they're eighth in opponent free throw rate on cleaning the glass. They're top 10 in all four factors. No other team last year did that. No other team did it two years ago. In fact, I think there was only one team each year, maybe it was two last year and none two years ago that had three of the four factors in the top 10. It's very, very rare for a team to be this well-rounded defensively. And it goes back to what I said in the first segment. They have the league's best rim protector, bar none. And they've got arguably, I don't know, like this gets sticky because like there's a lot of good perimeter defenders. I mean, you could argue Jaden McDaniels is the league's best perimeter defender. Um, you know, Drew Holiday, uh, you know, uh, Akoro, uh, Isaac Akoro with the Cavs. Like there's guys you could throw out there that are in the same conversation. But you take McDaniels, you take Nikhil Alexander-Walker and Anthony Edwards, that's three of the top, what, 15, 12 perimeter defenders in the league? I, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, we're considering, what, 60, 70, 80 guys, you know, when I when I say that, like that would be in the conversation in terms of rotation level guys for, for teams. Um, they're in the conversation. Like coming into the year, I did the whole breakdown with the B-ball index numbers. Nikhil Alexander-Walker and Jaden McDaniels were like top flight in basically every category. Screen navigation, um, off-ball, uh, I forget the right term, but basically off ball, um, you know, trailing their their assignment off the ball, um, point of attack defense. Like Jaden McDaniels was number one in the entire league with ball screen navigation last year. Like, like literally, he was. Uh, the perimeter defense combined with having the best 
rim protector in the league. And then the ancillary pieces, each doing their role to its seat. Carl Anthony Towns having by far his best defensive year, being asked to do a variety of different things. Like there was that possession, I, I can't get it out of my head the other day, um, where it was late in the game. It wasn't the Thunder game. It would have been Wednesday's game. Where, or it wouldn't have been late in the game because it wasn't close. Um, I think it was maybe third quarter when the Wolves were starting to pull away. And it was like, the perfect defensive possession where Cat like took his guy from the quarter corner, passed him off to Rudy Gobert. Rudy passes him off to the other side. Like it just perfect switches and rotations and stunting and all this stuff. Like uh, so impressive that they're really on a string now defensively. And obviously you have the occasional complete meltdown like that Mavericks game a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know that there that happens, right? Uh, but by and large, this is an elite defensive team. The other thing that plays into this is the defensive shot profile. Um, and let's see if I can get this quickly here. Uh, here we go. Defensive shot profile for the Wolves. They are, they allow the fourth least rim attempts in the entire league. Okay. The fourth least rim attempts in the entire league. They also have the fourth best rim uh, are shooting percentage at the rim in the league. Opponents are shooting just 63.1% at the rim against them. The only teams that are better are OKC, Cleveland, and Memphis, who all have rim protectors. Obviously, Chet Holmgren in OKC, uh, Jared Allen, Evan Mobley in Cleveland, and uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. in Memphis. Like, all these teams have really good rim protectors. The Wolves are have the fourth best, essentially, deterrence, right? Um, and those other teams I just mentioned, they're not there. So, yeah, the Wolves are fourth in in uh, opponent shooting percentage at the rim. There's three teams that are better. Those three teams that are better are nowhere near that good at deterring attempts at the rim. OKC's 14th, Cleveland is 17th, and Memphis is 23rd, which is, I think, as much an indictment, probably as much, even more an indictment on the perimeter defense and the overall structure of, of the team's defense as a unit than it is of the actual rim protectors. But that's, back to my point, the Wolves have both. They're, they're keeping guys from penetrating, by and large. Uh, and then when guys get in between, they're afraid to take on Rudy at the rim when he's in the game. And then when they decide to do it, he shuts him down. The Timberwolves also don't allow three-point attempts. And, and this goes back to early this season, I heard some national podcasts talking about, ah, well, you know, opponents aren't shooting the ball well from three against the Wolves. That's not really sustainable. Well, guess what? I said at the time, like somebody has to have the league's best defensive three point percentage. The Wolves are still seventh. Opponents are still only shooting thirty five point one percent at the uh, excuse me outside the arc, and a big reason for that is the quality of shots or or the um, the reverse of that. They're not quality shots against the Wolves. So looking at these teams that don't allow a lot of rim attempts, the Wolves again are fourth. The only teams that allow less uh, a lower percentage of opponent attempts at the rim are Golden State, Boston, and Miami. Those teams are all in the bottom 10 of allowing three-point attempts. Miami allows the third most three-point attempts of any team in the league. Boston's sixth most and Golden State ninth most. Minnesota's eighth. They're the only team in the league that is uh, top. Well, I guess Milwaukee would be the only other one. Milwaukee's the only other team that's top 10 in both. By that, I mean low percentage of attempts at the rim and low percentage of three-point attempts. Milwaukee's the only other team. The Timberwolves are eighth in uh, opponent frequency of three-point attempts, eighth in non-corner threes, 
and they allow the second most mid-range attempts from everywhere in the mid-range, uh, which is, of course, by design. We know that that's what the Timberwolves want to do. And if you look at percentage, of course, teams aren't shooting the ball well against the Wolves. We know that their effect, opponent effective field goal percentage is league's best. Also, their location effective field goal percentage, which is another cleaning the glass number that is essentially if the the definition of it is if the Wolves allowed the league average field goal percentage from every location, what would their opponent's effective field goal percentage be? Which gives you a sense of the type of shots they're giving up and the efficiency of their shot profile. And it's number two in the league next to only Golden State. Golden State really only allows uh, rim attempts and, and to, they they don't allow threes basically, but they, they allow teams to get to the rim. They also are the league's best at forcing mid-range shots. So, the Timberwolves' defensive shot profile is absolutely elite. It's absolutely sustainable because we're now 48 games into this thing and they're still doing it. And we could go into individual players and we could look at um we we could look at uh the actual rim deterrence number for Rudy Gobert. It's nuts. He's like hundredth percentile every year. Like all that stuff is crazy. But my point here, and and actually, let's do this. I do want to real quick mention what was talked about in this podcast, and then I very quickly want to talk offensive shot profile. I'm trying to get a lot in here, and then we'll look at Wolves Magic. All this will be quick, uh, and uh, you know we can save anything I don't get to for next week as well. So we'll do all that here next. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by our friends at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. They're the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch your winnings roll in. With basketball season almost over, there's still time to pick combo projections across multiple sports. There's still one big football game left here in a couple of weeks. And uh, Travis Kelsey's playing in it. You can go Travis Kelsey and LeBron James at 10.5 point combo, three-pointers made, and receptions. Take more than or less than. You can also cross into other sports and watch your winnings roll in when you play that way. Prize Picks even offers a reboot policy so your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets hurt. For football and basketball games, if you have a player who exits in the first half and does not return to the second, that player is rebooted. Prize Picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. Go to prizepicks.com slash NBA and use the code LockdownNBA for a first deposit match up to 100 bucks. Again, prizepicks.com slash NBA code NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. All right, um... Let's talk about the offense first, then I'll do my my mention from the the national podcast. Uh, in terms of shot profiles, the Timberwolves are still one of the best three point shooting teams in the entire league. And well, I say still, they've actually been kind of climbing all season long. Um, if you look at over a clean of the glass, the offensive accuracy on three pointers, Minnesota's in a dead heat with the LA Clippers at number one. And so we're using cleaning the glass numbers here, which takes out heaves. Minnesota shooting 40.3% from three as a team. That's tied with the LA Clippers. And also, by the way, 1.1 points ahead of the next team, which is OKC. A lot of OKC on this list. They're number two in non-corner threes, so above the break threes. Number five in corner three percentage. Um, number six in mid-range shots. And number two, by the way, in short, Oh, I'm sorry. I started looking at the wrong one. Number one in all three. Number one in corner threes, actually. The Clippers are number two. The Wolves are are, uh, are number 
my eyes skipped a column there too. Oh my goodness. Number one in all three, number one in non-corner three. So above the break threes, the Wolves have the league's best three-point percentage. Number eight in corner threes. Okay, mid-range, they're kind of middle of the pack, and at the rim, they're pretty middle of the pack, too. So based on their shot profile, the Wolves should have the eighth-best effective field goal percentage in the league. Again, that's the same stat I just cited on the defensive end. So they have the eighth-best profile. They're actually sixth in effective field goal percentage. They do get to the line a bunch. Free throw shooting percentage-wise, I alluded to this on Thursday's show. They actually aren't shooting the ball that great from the line lately. They're 17th in percentage league-wide, free throw percentage the Wolves are as a team. Um, So that's something that, like, you know, partly a function of Rudy getting fouled as much as he has. You know, Ants missed a few more here and there lately. Uh, but all that to say, the Wolves still have a healthy shot profile. And I spent some time on this a couple of weeks ago when I really harped on the turnover issues. And right now, the Wolves still have the league's worst turnover rate. Well, actually, that's according to basketball reference. Let me pull up the cleaning the glass one real quick because I actually think uh, that... Um, it might be slightly different on cleaning the glass, but they're, they're, they're I mean, no matter how you slice it, the uh, the turnover rate is not good. Uh, it's 28th on cleaning the glass. So 30th on basketball reference, 28th on cleaning the glass, the Wolves' turnover rate is. Um, and by the way, cleaning the glass, they're up to 15th in offensive efficiency, offensive rating. So, you know, you have the number one defense with a bullet, like easily, and a middle-of-the-pack offense, 15th, with the upside of Ant in isolation and Cat getting hot from three. And like some of these guys that can take a game over, that's a that's a championship contender, right? And also, you look at some of these other teams that have turnover issues, and they're not good at other stuff. The Wolves have an outstanding free throw rate and an outstanding effective field goal percentage. Their only problems are the turnovers, and they don't get any second-chance opportunities. Their bottom 10 have been all year in offensive rebound rate. So the shot profile is still like that of a, of a, a top 12 offense, right? Top 10 offense. If they can continue to kind of tamp down these turnovers— and we saw them do that a little bit the last couple times out against OKC, and then in the easy win over a, a, a depleted Mavs team on Wednesday. Then we're looking at this offensive upside being realized for Minnesota, which brings me to my point of the other podcast. This was the Ringer NBA show, uh, which was uh, Justin Very, Rob Mahoney, and Wozni uh, Lambrey. And I actually thought overall it was a fair assessment. It, the The concept was convoluted, but basically they were trying to figure out which uh, which teams have how much of the NBA title pie? Like, what's the percent chance a team could win a title? They ended up with, like, I don't know, 10 teams that had a chance. The Timberwolves were, like, fifth on the list. Them and OKC were tied, I think, at 8% or something when it was all said and done. So I guess I'm spoiling that a little bit. But it, it's an interesting conversation. One of the reasons, and I forget who it was, uh, that I think it might have been Mahoney, but one of the reasons one of them picked OKC over the Wolves and ultimately, they again, they landed with them having the same piece of the pie, if you will, percentage chance to win the title, was because of OKC's ability to outscore teams and that that was uh, something they could hang their hat on and that the Wolves, you know, their offense bogs down. And Wozni Lambry made the point, which made a ton of sense, that defense travels and and is it more important when the game slows down to the playoffs, which is a hundred percent true. I mean, like I agree with that take. Um, I, I was a little surprised at the idea that like, Hey, well you could just outscore teams. That's not quite how that works. Um, I would rather have a team that's, that has the upside and the ability to play multiple ways, right? To play in isolation, to play in the, I know the wolves don't play at a high pace, but they do a pretty good job of turning steals 
opponent turnovers into points in the open floor because they can do that with athletes like Ant and Jaden McDaniels and trail threes from Cat, you know, stuff like that. And, and, and again, the pace may not be fast, but if you look up the numbers on cleaning the glass, I don't have time to bring it up today, but I, you know, I just looked at them again. They're very good in terms of turning defense into offense in transition. They just don't run after makes and they don't run after defensive rebounds very often. Um, which, by the way, is very different from two years ago, Timberwolves team, right? The, the pre-Rudy Gobert Timberwolves. So all that to say, I, I just thought that the premise was a little bit weird there that uh, somehow this Thunder team, like obviously SGA is the difference. SGA is the best player between the two teams. There's no question about that. But I, I didn't really understand the idea that this Thunder offense would travel better than, say, a Timberwolves defense into the playoffs because you're still talking about a team that's top six in effective field goal percentage, top six in free throw rate, which matters in the playoffs. Um, I think the Wolves have a really strong profile of a good playoff team, a very, very good playoff team. Uh, we'll spend a little more time on that as we get closer to the playoffs, but you know, some of these things the Wolves are very good at stand out to me. All right, real quickly, Wolves magic tonight. From Target Center, of course, the last time the Wolves and Magic faced off was a couple of weeks ago, and I was worried about the matchup. If you look at what Orlando's good at and what Minnesota struggles with, that made me a little bit nervous. Orlando's sixth in offensive rebound rate. They're third in free throw rate, and yes, I know I just spent all this time talking about how the Wolves are a good defensive rebounding team and a good uh, team at not allowing opponent free throws, but we also know that those are two things that have been volatile for this team. They struggled each of the last two years in both of those categories and early this year, so well, I like to believe the Wolves have matured to the point that they're not giving up these lazy second-chance opportunities and they're not fouling like crazy. We know that there are guys that are prone to doing that on the team, right? Between McDaniels and Cat, like, it happens. So my concern would be those offensive rebounds because Orlando's good at it and the uh, opponent free throws because Orlando's good at it. Now, the last time the Wolves saw the Magic, Paolo Bancaro had a terrible game. He... uh was 8-22 shooting, was a minus 30 in a game that the Wolves ended up winning by 21. Minnesota was up 33-16 at the end of the first quarter, and they were up 67-37 to at halftime. They're up 30 points at halftime and then kind of coasted to this 21-point win. But Bancaro turned it over four times, shot the ball 22 times to get 18 shot, 18 points. Excuse me. Um, so you got to be careful with Bancaro getting to the line. And you got to be careful allowing those second chance opportunities as well. Uh, Wendell Carter did not play the last time these two teams played each other. And um, I mean, he's an offensive rebound machine. Like you got to look out for him. He grabs a couple offensive boards a game. Um, Gogo Batazzi, go, excuse me, Gogo Batazzi is the same, same idea. Like the Wolves overwhelmed him last time, but he also can get on the offensive glass. We know Ben Caro gets the line. Uh, Franz Wagner gets the line. Like this is a team that was a little bit shorthanded the last time the Wolves saw them. Oh, yeah, and, and Wagner didn't play either, by the way. Franz didn't play. Mo played, but Franz Wagner didn't play. Wendell Carter didn't play. Joe Ingles didn't play. Um, and now this team, like, lately has struggled a little bit, but they also have some decent wins here recently, too. Uh, they beat Phoenix last week. Uh, they did lose to Dallas, but that was uh, a big Luka game, and they lost to Memphis, which isn't a great loss. They got killed by Cleveland. They did just beat San Antonio last time out by 10 on Wednesday night. So I'm a little nervous about this matchup, if I'm being honest. Like, I, I worry about the offensive rebounding. I worry about the Wolves' ability to to uh, avoid getting it, you know, committing a ton of fouls and allowing a ton of free throw attempts. The Wolves are seven-point favorites. I said on the show yesterday, I thought they'd be 
uh, what did I say? Six, seven, or eight point favorites. Well, right in the middle there. They're seven point favorites at home against Orlando, according to our friends at FanDuel. Uh, so, all that to say, like, I wouldn't take the Wolves minus seven in this game. I, I'm a little nervous about it. I think the Wolves will win. I think it'll be a close game. Uh, so I would I would be taking the points if if uh, if I was betting on this game I'd be taking the points I guess is, is how I'll say that uh, so expect a good game we will have the live postcast of course on Lockdown Sports Minnesota on YouTube live after the game and that audio will be right here on the, the Lockdown Wolves audio feed and then I'll be back on Monday between now and then the Wolves also play Sunday night that's a 6 p.m. tip on Sunday um, against. Uh, my goodness, I'm blanking. I have it right here. Houston, yeah. Okay, so Orlando at home Friday night. Houston at 6 p.m. Sunday evening. Uh, post-game pod after each of those. Excuse me, live postcast after each of those. And then this show will be back on Monday. We'll just be talking Houston on Monday. Uh, so we won't have a post-game pod from Orlando, but we'll have the live postcast. So a lot to look forward to here as we kind of get geared up for the All-Star break here in just a couple of weeks. All right, that's all we have for you today here on the show. A big thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. Wherever you like to listen to podcasts, you can find Lockdown Wolves. You can also watch on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. You can also follow on X at Lockdown T Wolves and also at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C K. Ian. Of course, the Lockdown Wolves podcast is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Lockdown Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.